Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. I'm really very excited to be able to present to you the start of a new series uh, that is picking up on the conversations that were taking place during the week at uh, our prime night on Wednesday. But this morning, uh, our title for this series is Kingdom Influence, and uh, we're going to be pursuing that over the next few weeks and picking up some really fascinating aspects of God and His kingdom. And this morning, we're starting off with the statement, a kingdom vision, because Vision is important. Uh, it's one of those topics that, that is important for us. Um, sometimes it's a little understood. Sometimes it's not appropriately positioned. Uh, and we've not been fast to pronounce vision in this church. We've just allowed God to speak to us. I say aloud. We've, we've lived an organic developmental time of understanding God's heart for us and us for him. And we feel we're at a place where we can actually write down a vision that is already uh, the journey we're on, actually. So we're not reinventing something. We're just establishing, if you like, a marker today. This Sunday is a marker in front of this congregation. So first service, have already heard some of this and or most of it. But um, just before I get stuck into it, kingdom, um, we're going to explore this a lot uh, over the coming weeks. It's not just theory or concept. It's going to be how does kingdom change me and how does God's kingdom release me? And how does you know, it's just such a rich area of, of importance for us in, in faith? And uh, this morning in the first service, um, I brought in by Skype a church that we've got a link with in Austria. Uh, I've known this church now for four years, perhaps a little longer. Um, they are fantastic, I, I, I love them to bits. Let me tell you, David and Monica, who are uh, the pastors of the church went out from the UK as missionaries from South London, funnily enough. And um, I've got to know them in various ways over the years. And you can't quite see David and Monica, but they're the couple on the left-hand side. You see my wife, Liz, with the blue glasses opposite her. That's a really poor shot of David and Monica, but they lead the church. The church is about 80 people, um, including the kids. And Austria is a very Catholic country uh, with a very traditional Orthodox kind of a Orthodox Catholicism kind of approach. Uh, and so evangelical church or free church, if you like, or the church like our own, uh, you know, it's not a commonplace across the country. And their network's only 14 churches. If you think of our network as being five or 600 churches, you can see that us in the UK alone. But um, they're, they're based at St. Paulton in Austria. And a little while back, I was privileged to be able to take them uh, as a church through a weekend retreat and and actually preached six times back to back and took them through some of the things that we've been learning in, in the Love Is series, which was so brilliantly put together by the whole team, let me say. And, uh, and God spoke powerfully to them. Uh, God moved powerfully in them. And we saw the supernatural. We saw 
just God's presence in a brilliant, brilliant way. Uh, the first time I ever met them, I, I would have loved to, I remember saying once on this platform, I'd love to just put them in my pocket and bring them back to Bromley and, and they'd be part of who we are, you know, in their own way here. But you can't do that because God's got them over there for ministry and, and purpose and call. And, you know, a whole bunch of people gave their lives to Christ that weekend and it was just so exciting to see big men uh, you know, weeping as they gave their lives to Christ. You know, one guy was six foot seven. Another guy looked like he could probably wrestle a dinosaur. Uh, you know, and the tears coming down their eyes. Uh, and so David and Monica, in fact, Monica's been into this church a couple of times over the years um, when they've been visiting the UK. And their, their sons have also been in our congregation. You would never know that, would you? Um, but people come in from all sorts of different ways and shapes. So anyway, so kingdom. We're linked in kingdom in many, many different ways and places. And that's just one example. We would love to missionally link with Martin and Monica, uh, David and Monica, sorry, um, as time goes on. Uh, But we'll see. But why have a vision? Because a vision is just simply a sense of direction. We don't want to overstate it or understate it. It's a sense of direction. And when you're, we're moving, and our church numbers are probably around total, including all the kids and youth and everything else, 600 to 650, that's sort of numbers. Um, and so when we're moving forward, knowing how we're moving and why we're moving and what movement means for us is actually very, very important. So... Um, we've been very organic over the years, and there is one risk with being very organic in the kingdom that stuff is sometimes a bit odd, and you don't know quite why certain things happen. Um, but organic is good. I love organic. And, uh, and, but we've got, you know, as a church, we've got a, a mission statement. We'll get to that in a few minutes, and we've also got our values. But we're today talking about vision. But why is vision important? David wrote Psalm 31, and in verse 3, we get a clue. For you are my rock. And my fortress. So God is our point of strength and our point of protection. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Very important indicator here. For God's name's sake, he leads us and guides us. Many of us approached God himself as, God, what is it that I need to do? If you like, or we approach a sense of, I want to discover what I need for me is probably the way we probably would look at it. What do I need for me? God, help me be what I need to be for me often is the way. But David says, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me for his sake. It's a different switch. It's a switch because if it's about us, then we will do things and go in one way. If it's about God, we will probably go in a different way and do things in a different manner. So there are two words here, lead and guide. And they're both personal, me, not everybody, but me personally. So this is, vision is personal. The word lead in the text there uh, comes from Hebrew, nahar, bestow, bring, govern, guide. So it's so similar to the word guide itself. The the original Hebrew for guide, there's only one letter difference. But that one letter difference, the L on the end of nahar, brings a different implication to the word. So for your name's sake, you lead me and you guide me. So you lead, which means to, to actually bring governance leadership, to, to bestow. So God brings his, his, himself into your world. He brings himself to you. He comes to you and then moves you forward. That's leading. The word guide that we've got in that verse there means to run with a sparkle. 
to have some zest about you, to have some passion about you, to have some energy about you, to have a sense of this is the right thing to do, to run with sparkle, to flow. In other words, it's not, oh, I've got to work out the right thing to do right this second. And every minute it's agony because I don't know whether I should do this or do that. No, you're just flowing. You're flowing. The sparkle, there's a flow. And you know if you're out of flow because things just don't seem to line up right. You know when there's a discord, when there's a dysfunction, when things are not right because there's no flow. You're stuck. Everything bounces into something that stops you. That's being stuck. But when God's guiding, we run with a sparkle. There's a flow. He protects us. He sustains us. And he feeds us. Now, that's a place of dependency and trust. That's where we want to be as a church. We want to be in the sparkle. We want to know his lordship, but we want to be in a flow when literally you can turn around and the Holy Spirit is speaking through you to somebody. Or there's a moment. You know, that happened last Sunday morning, first service. I don't know if many of you were in the first service last Sunday morning, but there was a moment, there was a trigger moment. The Holy Spirit triggered in our service through a couple in the service and God said, you've got to pray for them and you've got to bring them out to the front. And that praying and bringing out was a trigger point for about a dozen other people. And then in that trigger point, there was specific care for people and there was prophetic words going and directional stuff. It was just flowing. It's a flow. There's some sparkle and it's a flow because God is protecting and feeding. That's what we want. So we are now stepping into, we are laying out now this written down vision, which is great. It means that we can, we can enjoy the power of vision and what it means. And the Holy Spirit is bringing us into the season. So what is our BCC vision? We've actually been running with this in our hearts for a long time. But it's now because of the size of who we are. You know, if we add another 100 people to our services on a Sunday, we are stuck in terms of space. So part of me, you know, I want another 100 people, but it brings a headache, you know. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the wrong way. It's just, I guess that's what it's about, isn't it? But, um, but you know, we shared on, on Wednesday night that there's been 200 or more than 200 adults it being added to our database in the last 12 months. So what is going to happen if that, you know, we love that, challenge and pressure but we've got if we're going to move forward we've got to kind of know what that journey's looking like so this is our vision to bring growing kingdom influence and transformation to every area of our lives community and beyond if that's the first time you've seen that you're probably thinking right I've got to process that don't worry we will work with that processing over time but it's super exciting um Our mission is disciples reproducing disciples. We know the power of authentic discipleship because people grow in faith and confidence and and boldness really fast in discipleship. If If it's just a class, you know, it's a much slower process. And if nobody gets discipled at all, it can be really stuck. People get stuck. But God has got this incredible mystery around discipleship that both or the people involved in it all grow and, and, and they become stronger. So we are going to navigate a better understanding of discipleship as we go forward. Um, but we're already doing it very, very well in some respects, but we can do so much better. So we don't want to stay as we are. We want to expand and multiply that authentic discipleship behavior in our church. And we will help everyone to understand what that means. We also have our daring values. It really touched my heart when about a year or so ago, maybe two years now, the youth took on daring as a name for themselves. Was it two years now, Luke? 
or three years, or is it longer? I can't. Three years. Do you realize our youth took on our values quicker than the adults took on our values? And they called themselves daring youth. And the reason they're daring youth is they took our values and wanted to put our values as a church in the young people of the next generation coming through. That's why they're called daring youth. And that was Luke's decision with his team. They made that choice. I was just so touched when they did it. So they owned the daring values. But you may recall, I preached at least three years ago, I think. Um, I need to go back and see when it was. But I made, I made a statement to the church. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And, he's, and he said this to me. Godly vision messes with us. It matures in us and multiplies through us. Now, that's important because God has been in the business of messing with us for a while. And you may feel that some things have been a bit messy. Well, it's because God messes things around. He deliberately does. I'm telling you, God's God, right? He will do what he will do. And he messes with people. If you heard Deborah's message last week, a brilliant message again from Deborah last week about actually God just says, you know, you've got to learn to trust me. And, you know, sometimes I'm not going to fix everything because you've got to know that you're facing me and your courage involves in me, not, not just in getting bailed out of another problem. It's just how do you walk through the storm sort of thing. So godly vision messes with us. It matures in us, which means it has to grow and become mature. And maturing, you know, the younger people won't like this, but they say you don't get mature till you get to about 30. You know, and it's from 30 onwards, you start to really understand the weight of maturity. Uh, and it's probably true. And in fact, anatomically, I know the brain is still forming in younger people. And, but anyway, let's not dig a hole for myself there. Because uh, uh, our, our average age in this church is 28. Did you know that? So join me and be one of the 20. <laughs> no, that's across, that's across all age groups, by the way. That's, that's from the creche all the way through to, so it's not just the, the service attendance, it's the whole church. But that's amazing, isn't it? So, so maybe we do need to have maturing going on, but we do. The trouble is we think we've arrived, don't we? I know my, well, I can't speak about my daughter's, <laughs> it's just, I can't talk about family, but young people think they know everything, don't they? But they got to mature through the pain of realizing they don't know none. <laughs> That's what I say. Right. But actually, they do know quite a lot, but they just don't know how to assemble it. That's the problem. So, so we're there as parents and older ones to help them to discover. So Godly Vision messes with us, matures in us, and multiplies through us. It multiplies. The kingdom of God is about multiplication. It's not about staying stuck. And if we are going to move into multiplication, we cannot stay stuck. We can't stay here. We can't stay in the same mindset. We can't stay in who I am today. We can't stay here. We cannot. Otherwise, we will just add few people each week. I mean, we are adding people every week. Uh, and it is exciting. And if you're one of those new people, we welcome you. There were new people in our last service. It was brilliant to pray with a new person in our last service. That was just so good. And, um, but God will multiply through us. And we mustn't stop that multiplication. We need to cooperate with it. We need to work with it. We need to realize that as we discover our gifting in God, as we discover our capacity in God, our talents, together we will have to work out how to get those things up and released. I don't want to stay like we are today anymore. I want to move forward. Now things like the site, they're tactical, goal-driven solutions to meet a vision that God has given us. So we'll get it in its right place. Rick Warren says, stick with the kingdom of God, 
because it's going to outlast everything else. And I think he's right. Um, and Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. It's not well understood by people who go to church sometimes. Now, we talk about the kingdom of God, so this isn't exactly new, but it is important for us. So underneath our vision statement, um, we are building some key blocks for growth. Those key blocks are around health, equipping, and mission. Now, don't try and take all this in this morning. We've got a PDF online which you can download, and we'll be talking about these different aspects as we go forward. But the building blocks, you know, God's been reshaping us. He's been resetting foundations. He's been doing stuff. In fact, there are people in this room that weren't in this room a year and a half ago. And the reason you're in this room is because you're part of this strategic building in this part of God's kingdom. You are here because God wants you here and he's brought you here. And we've got to work out what all that means. So in Prime on Wednesday, we talked about the importance of God priming the situation. You've heard the expressions, prime the pump, prime the charge, the prime of life. Well, they're, they're all to do with action and activity and the best of. So priming the pump is you get a bit of water going in the pump and that thing's going to work on its own once you get the, you know, I talked about in the first service about sucking petrol out of a petrol tank. Maybe I've got a previous life I shouldn't talk about. Uh, but I, I did run out of fuel once and... But, you know, you get a mouthful of petrol or whatever. But you, you've got to prime the movement, the flow. We talked about God. When he's with us, he will cause a flow to happen. Well, we've got to prime it. We've got to trigger it. We've got to trigger that, what, that flow to happen. So we prime the pump. And once it's primed, boy, that thing can have a life of its own. But what about priming the charge? It comes from an old English kind of expression, you know, with the flintlock rifles. And you put everything together and then you put the prime in and the, you ignite the prime with the spark and that fires the charge. But what does that do? The prime releases all the power that wouldn't be released otherwise. And there's a pattern, an example, picture for us that as we allow ourselves to be in the prime spot or we become the prime, God may just choose to re- release explosive power in your life. And my life, how do we handle that? What's it going to look like? And, um, and of course, the prime of life is the best. It's the best. This could be the best season this church has ever known. And we celebrated 90 years of legacy last year. Could this be now the, the year where the kingdom of God... In fact, I didn't mention this in the first service. There's a lighthouse bottom right-hand corner. For the last four decades, this church has had a prophetic word over it about being a lighthouse. And recently, people have been coming to us with the same language. God may well be transforming us to be what he's called this church to be in its entire history. And you're here right now to be part of that. Isn't that interesting? And once we understand what health, equipping, and mission means, now there's a lot lot behind this, but it's personal, it's in team, and it's in ministry. It's in all the areas of the church, and we'll unpack it. It just gives us a way of understanding where change ought to happen and how things can be done better. But all areas, all ministries, once we're focused and we understand what we're talking about, then we can set some goals. We can get some really robust goals and believe God and put our weight behind those goals and see things happen and make plans. So it's exciting. So why live kingdom lives? We're talking about kingdom a lot this morning. Well, Jesus spoke about it. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus made this statement. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. (laughs) It's like, that's the plan, right? That is it, guys. That's the plan. Now, we're in the plan. 
our vision sits absolutely firmly in what Jesus is saying in that verse, 24, 14. Um, the good news about the kingdom. So there's got to be good news attached to this conversation of kingdom. There's got to be. And we're going to start opening that up. And it'll be preached or communicated throughout the whole world. The world is the inhabited earth. That's what we're talking about there. That references to the world as the inhabited earth. So that all nations, which is every race, creed, language group, will hear the, the good news about the kingdom. And then the end will come. That's it. That's God's plan. That's his vision. And we're in it. That means if we're in his vision, we are going to be absolutely fueled by his passion. And he will fuel you and he'll fuel me and he will provide what is necessary to get that done because that's on his agenda. So my good friend, um, Angie Coombs, four years ago, I invited Angie to come and she did a couple, three weekends of ministry on a Saturday in the church. Angie wrote the CWR biblical counseling course um, at CWR uh, and a pastor friend of mine, um, said to me it was the best course as a minister he'd ever been on in his life, biblical counselling. And, uh, and CWR have gone on to do other professional things since then, but CWR were probably Britain's number one Christian counselling centre, and Angie wrote the course. So she is a trainer of trainers of counselling. So did you get that? Trainer of trainer, that's her calibre. She's a spiritual lady, godly lady, and I met with her again this week because God drew that connection uh, about a month ago. And she said something really interesting to me while we were talking. I hadn't told her about our vision. We just talked about life and a few things. And she said, you know, when people go through difficult times in church and they feel the need to, to really address issues in their life, so often it's because of the issue of themselves and the kingdom of God. Because they, people allow themselves to drift out of kingdom thinking and out of kingdom living and they start to live in their own kingdom even though they know who Jesus is they let themselves drift or life or circumstance or whatever it is they end up in the outside of the flow of God that's what happens and when you end up outside the flow of God you can see that God's doing something over there but you don't know how to get there and so she said to me that much of her ministry over the years has been helping people to get back into the flow of the kingdom of God. And that's where people change. She said, when people are outside of that kingdom flow, if they effectively become king of their circumstances, and then they dip into church life or the Bible or circumstances because they want, they need, they need it, but they're not putting the lordship of God into their life. They're living under their own lordship. And Deborah, again, last week you touched on that kind of thinking in the message. So I encourage you to hear that. Now, Angie is going to work with us as a church going forward. She's seen our vision. She absolutely loves it and has committed to me to work in partnership with us going forward. And she'll become part of our academy. Isn't that amazing? So why live kingdom lives? Because Jesus spoke about it. But why live kingdom lives? Because Paul spoke about it. The Apostle Paul, at the end of the book of Acts, Acts 28, the final two verses at the end of the book of Acts, 
And the book of Acts is that incredible narrative about the birth of the church, the persecution, the scattering of the believers. Philip in Samaria, you've got all these incredible, the, the move to Macedonia, all those incredible stories of how the Holy Spirit led and guided people through difficult and sometimes easier circumstances. But the very last two verses in the book of Acts talks about Paul. And it says, Paul lived in Rome, verse 31, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. Do you get that? He did two things. It summarizes at the back end of Acts that he proclaimed boldly the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's interesting. Why would would the scriptures separate that? Because both are very, very, very important. Well, Jesus is the king. But the kingdom isn't understood. So Paul is emphasizing, well, the the writer is emphasizing the need to talk about the kingdom and to do it boldly. And it says, and no one tried to stop them or him. But how can we proclaim boldly? I think we can proclaim by being outspoken, gutsy, say it as it is. Don't pull the punches. Don't be rude. Love people. Have a heart for people. Don't be theological. Love them, but say it the way God would say it. Be outspoken about the kingdom. Without ambiguity. So it's not fluffy. And the only way to be without ambiguity is if you understand it. If we understand God's kingdom and we know we're in a flow, you won't be ambiguous. You'll know exactly what's going on. You'll be working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. I've decided one of the weeks I'm going to do in this series is understanding the prophetic discernment and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because this is critically important in the life of kingdom dynamics. And we're going to let ourselves flow into that big time. Um, How can we proclaim boldly? By being outspoken, but without ambiguity. In other words, you know, because you've proved it in your own life, what's going on. You've heard God speak and you're speaking now. You've heard the Holy Spirit speak and you're hearing now. You know what God is doing and what he's saying. God will do stuff like that for us. And then be fearless because you become fearless when you understand and you're bold. You know, a very crazy, bizarre little story. I was with a guy on Friday at my house called Emil. He was an engineer booked to come and change my gas meter. And the, the, the company texted me and said, he's on his way, he's running late. I'd completely forgotten he was coming, but thank heavens I was working at home. Anyway, he turned up and I was in one of those really plucky moments. He'd called me by name the minute he walked through my front door. Now, whether or not that means anything to you, to me, that meant kingdom. I saw a Holy Spirit, bang, there's a kingdom thing going on here. And the second he used my name as he walked through the door, I thought, nobody comes through my door and uses my name the way you've just done it. God, you're doing something. And so I just thought, all right, let's have fun. So we started to chat, and Emil, who I've never met in my life before, said to me, so what do you do then? Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a church minister. Are you? (laughs) Yeah, when did you last go to church? I've never been to church. I don't go to church. Why not? (laughs) And so Emil and I are having this really direct, outspoken, without ambiguity, fearless conversation. And it was done in great taste. It was mutually fine. And I thought, God, you're speaking to this guy. What is it? Now, you know, discipleship means that you go on a journey with someone. Well, I've met him for three minutes. He's trying to fix my gas meter. So it's 
probably timing-wise, come on, Mark, there's discipleship required. So I'm thinking, God, how are you going to disciple Emil? I said, why are you called Emil um, when you come from, because he wasn't from the UK originally, and uh, Bangladesh is where he's from. And I, ah, from Bangladesh. Why are you called Emil? My mum's from France. Oh, okay. Interesting combination. I know a couple. He's from Bangladesh. She's from Germany. Really? Yeah. And uh, I said, you need to meet Tony, my friend Tony. Tony at Tower Hamlets Community Church. Tony, you need to go to his church. And he went, oh, that's amazing. I live right near there. <laughs> right? I'm thinking, yep, God, you're on his case. <laughs> I almost phoned Tony and said, Tony, speak to him now, because this guy's going to come to your church. I said, would you go to his church? He said, I think I might have been there. I said, really? He said, yeah, my son's birthday. We hired the hall, and I'm pretty certain it was THCC. I said, well, stop hiring the hall. Just go see Tony (laughs) and figure out why you're living so close to Tony. He will love you. In fact, let me tell you, THCC is one of the landmark um, homeless shelter locations in London. And Tony and his wife, Annie, created that. And they modeled that for HCF up in Havering. And we ourselves have been connected with them just to understand a bit more. In fact, I forgot this in the first service, but we've actually given financially to THCC because we felt we wanted to give them a sense of partnership from our church. You guys didn't know that, but we gave them a gift one year out of our giveaway. So Emil is on a journey, but that's kingdom. That's kingdom. And it's having the sensitivity, courage, wisdom, blah, blah, blah. Go for it. But why growing kingdom influence? Because influence is everything. Kingdom influence is about God's word right now, right place, right tone, right weight. It's the rightness of what we do. Influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development or behavior of someone or something. That's what influence is. That's why we've got the word influence in our vision statement. Growing kingdom influence. We want the kingdom to influence. We don't want to be out and out us selling ourselves. We don't want to say to people, oh, come to the church because I go there. You want to be saying, come to the church because God goes there. You'll meet God. You'll encounter the Holy Spirit. He might just transform your life. He may choose to heal you. He may not, but you'll meet him and you'll never be the same again. So it's not about us, it's about him. If we lift him up, all men will be drawn to him. What about influence? Jeremiah puts it brilliantly in chapter 15, verse 19. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. That is another massive key of weakness in the church, that we don't influence when we should do. We allow circumstances and people and the enemy to influence the way we think. And we make excuses for it, but in our heart of hearts, we know we've gone and done a silly thing. Because the enemy gets a foothold in your life and starts tugging away at that little thread, causes the pain, causes the tearing. And then what do we do? We blame everybody else and there's no love in the church. Actually, it all comes down to being careless when we're in a place of influence. You must influence them. 
You see what God says here? This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, it's, it's coming to kingdom thinking, coming to God as king. It's coming to him. I will restore you so that you can serve me. Not so that you can serve your own agenda. Not so that you can define agendas for everybody else. It's, not, it's so that you return to me and I will restore to you and so you can serve me. If you speak good words, okay, let's look at good words versus worthless words. There are good words and there are worthless words. And they're all in our vocabulary. How to choose the good words. The ABC of how to choose good words. And there's loads of ways of choosing good words. But I just want to bring in three simple suggestions. How to choose good words. Firstly, attach your words to the truth. Right? Make sure that what you say is truthful. Not opinion, not secondhand, not hearsay, not a thought about something unrelated, but truthful. Attach to truth. How to choose good words. Attach your words to truth. And truthful words can be tested. In fact, every word is tested. And the, the lie that we get caught up in is that when we don't use truthful words, we think we're going to get away with it. But you won't. Because the lie gets revealed. And we can see it from Proverbs twelve nineteen. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. That's it. The enemy lies to you. Oh, you'll get away with it. Don't tell the truth. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> you lie, it's coming out. You know, oh, but I'm godly. I go to the prayer meeting. Doesn't make any difference. If you're not telling the truth, you're passing on secondhand opinion, you're going to get caught out. And once you do, there's a little tug pulling you away from where you should be, outside of that kingdom flow. So attach your words to truth and do it nicely. Build people up. That's the B. Build people up. Encourage people. Proverbs 18.21 says, The words of the godly encourage many. We might encourage one person, but that person says, By the way, did you hear? Mel said a brilliant thing the other day. She really encouraged me. And then I tell somebody, Did you hear? Mel's really encouraged me. And what does that do to Mel? She smiles. <laughs> and she's got a beam on her face. Why? Because it's a building thing. Build people up. Words can, but you can destroy people. And words should carry wisdom. If you're not a wise person, keep your mouth shut. If you're just someone with an opinion, don't open your mouth. Get some wisdom out of the wisdom scriptures. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. Carry wisdom in your words. These are good words because your good words will give life. Even if they're a little bit tough to hear. You see, leaders sometimes have to say it as it is because... The truth is, we've got to say it as it is at times. But wise words will give life and they will stop masses of damage being done. Proverbs 10.11 says, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Primed. <laughs> fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. All right? We don't want that. But these are good words. So you can build influence just by starting to use your words well. And those words come right out of the kingdom of God, out of the book. And this is my last slide. How will influence appear? It will just appear. Because God will send stuff in your direction to influence. He'll go, I trust you, good and faithful servant. I know that when I put a pressure situation into your hands, you don't go under. You do the right thing. You try your best. 
and you're available with good words. You can be trusted. I'll send it in your direction. So God will bring stuff into your world that you don't know about yet because he trusts your ability to influence. And I like to think like this. Who's influenced me the most or you the most? Who are the people who influence you the most? They're the people you trust the most. They're the people who've had the right word at the right moment. They've, they've called it when it's been a hard issue and they've told you what the truth is. right? They haven't just gone ahead and done whatever you want to hear, but they've actually brought something of substance. That's the kind of influence that I've experienced in my life. And those moments become defining moments. I can still remember some of the most defining moments in my life because I've had someone come to me with good words of encouragement, capability, warning about dangers, doing the wrong thing. But that leads us back to our vision. And our vision is to bring growing kingdom influence and transformation to every area of our lives, the community, and beyond. It's right smack bang in God's plan going forward. And it's smack bang in what God's been doing with us. Remember, godly vision will multiply through us. It will. It's going to. And, um, you know, influence. I just want to say this. It's the International Feast today. I'm so hungry. I got told off for mentioning jollof rice too many times. But I love Indian food as well. I love Malaysian food. I really don't like English food. I, I really don't like boring old chicken nuggets that much. Unless they've got chili sauce with them. Um, <laughs> International Feast today. So great to see different outfits and stuff on. We're going to have fun in a few minutes. But, you know, 40 nations. Could it be 60 nations? Why can't we be 60 nations? Now, I know we're gonna, it means the pain of growth, but you know, we've got a Tamil life group. We've got a Latin American life group. Come on, they all speak Portuguese and Spanish and other alien languages down there. And, uh, but you know what? Look at the partnership with Austria. Behind that link that you didn't have this morning, but who knows? We might send a team to Austria. Do you like speaking German? Who knows? We could do stuff, amazing stuff. But every ministry area... Life groups, uh, etc., can be influential. Everything. It can be influential. And you'll know it because you get asked to come back. That's how you know if you're being positive and influential. If someone doesn't invite you back, it's because you don't bring a good experience with you. But the kingdom, if we bring a good kingdom experience, people will want you back. You know, I'm, I've got permission off Pete. I love Pete to bits in the sandbox. It does so much in, in the church. And and he's got a real heart for saying it as it is. <laughs> and um, I've, I'm, getting a nod, I'm getting a nod from Peter. It's okay. Um, he told me during the week of prayer and fasting about this encounter he had where he met a guy in the car showroom. And uh, he just hammered the guy <laughs> in the right way because it's what the guy needed. He listened to the Holy Spirit, Pete. And he said, you need to go to church or something like that. I can't remember the exact words. But anyway, he was here in the first service. And fortunately, I didn't say anything because I hadn't had permission from Pete to say it. But Pete's over there, and the other guy's over there. And I spoke to him afterwards. He said, that message really spoke to me this morning. I said, can I pray with you? He really, really loved it. Pete, awesome. We've all got to be doing that kind of thing. But no, there's other ways of doing it as well. Rob Short is sitting over there. Let me say, Rob, he's doing the thing on the 23rd, um, the slavery day uh, training. Well, Rob's been doing that in his workplace in London. In Canary Wharf, I think it is. Near Canary Wharf, right? So right in the kind of movers and shakers financial district of the UK. 
And, um, and Rob's got enough guts to do it amongst a, a Christian group there. Well, the senior manager's heard about this, and so he's been invited to present at the highest level in his organization, um, at the very highest level, where they've got delegation from other people in other parts of other industries, and they meet up. And they've asked Rob to present the whole thing at that level. And that could open up opportunities across London. And it's amazing, isn't it? And that's having that courage, conviction, directness, know what you're talking about. It's amazing. God will open doors in the marketplace. He'll open doors in your world. Band, join me. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song. I want us just to think about this. Who feels they could own our vision? Now, if you can own our vision, stand up. If you can't, stay seated. <laughs> no, I take it as red. I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but just stand with me. We're going to pray. We know there's quite a lot to take on board, but we're already on the journey. Different teams are collaborating with us already about this vision. The staff team we're in on the previous Thursday, we brought it to senior leaders and life group leaders on the last Sunday. We brought it to Prime for collaboration on Wednesday. And we will carry on building, collaborating, working out what this means for us. But we're already on the journey. This isn't a shoot. We're not shooting in a different direction. God's already had us going in this direction. We're just now making it really clear. So we're going to just pray. And then I'm going to hand over to the guys. They're going to lead us through worship. And at some point, we'll have at least one song. And then we'll go into communion. But uh, communion is so important because, in fact, I think we'll do it straight away. I'm going to pray. You know, Jesus gave his life for us so that we would come into his kingdom. Not to live out in our own space, plucking bits and pieces out of his kingdom for our own benefit. It's costly. I'm telling you, it's costly. Someone famously, I think it was Francis Schaeffer, or someone famously once said, wrote a book on the cost of discipleship. And, And if we're serious about the king and his kingdom then God is going to put a weight on us because he trusts your capacity to grow and learn from him. He, he, you're here listening to this stuff because he believes in you. And we believe in you. And we just got to walk a process of understanding what all this means. But I know we can set goals and we can set plans. But we've got to know where we're going and we've got to be clear about it. So I'm going to pray right now. Father, we're here to celebrate your plan. And Lord, as we as a church have finally written down our vision, Lord, help us to run with it. Help us, Lord, to massively focus in the areas you want us to focus. Lord, we know we've got the challenge of the site. We know we've got the desire to expand. We know we could go multi-site. We know there's so many things we could do. But God, we want your hand on us. Lord, I pray you will raise people up in the church, that you'll raise up leaders, you'll raise up disciple makers, that you'll raise up, Lord, people who are yet don't know you, but they will know you. Lord, thank you, God, that you are bringing people into your kingdom. And Lord, the word says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. So God, we know you're going before us even before we're there. So God, I pray for all of us. Lord, put in our heart a desire to just understand this, to, to understand what you're saying to us individually so we can make sense of this for ourselves. Lord, be with all the teachers as we teach on this, these various topics. May they be very personal and, and life-giving. Lord, may we understand your mind. 
May we understand how, God, to make all this stuff happen. God, we thank you that you're providing. Lord, we thank you that you're leading and you're guiding and that you're bringing sparkle. We thank you, God, that you're going to bring a flow. We thank you, God, that you're going to bring resource and protection. We thank you, God, that you haven't called us to something to be left on our own. You've called us because you're already going there. And I thank you, God, for every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for today, a community day. Lord, we can celebrate nations together. Lord, thank you for everyone in this room. Thank you for families. Thank you for singles. Thank you for children and older people. Thank you, God, for the nations and the languages that, Lord, you created. Thank you, God, that, Lord, we are a tiny little bit of your kingdom, but, God, we are a kingdom peace that is on fire for Jesus. And so, Lord God, we love you with all our hearts. And we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, as we together take communion, Lord, as we symbolically remember Jesus giving his life, for us to enter His kingdom, that God, we would run with that, that God, we would be in unity in that, and that God, we will see transformation like we've got in this vision statement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.